Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Let's get ready for our last conversation on the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to get your notes out, your phones out to take some notes today. I've been loving this conversation because I think every single week has kind of unpacked a depth of, of understanding and truth and promise about what the book of Deuteronomy uh, instructs us with. Let me give you some context about Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible, so pretty early on written by a guy, actually it's a speech given by a guy named Moses around 1406 BC, and it's his final address to the Israelites, to God's people, before they enter the promised land. And really what this is, it's an explanation of God's covenant faithfulness. What does covenant faithfulness mean? It means that God is for you. God is with you no matter what. Give somebody an elbow next to you, wake them up and tell them, hey, God is with you today. Let them know you mean it. Mean it with that elbow. Wake them up. Let them know that, hey, God's with you today. As much as you felt that little nudge, God is with you. We like participation and crowd involvement during our conversation today. And God is with you. God keeps his promises. And so today, the simple idea or title of our conversation is the good life. What is the good life? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it. And I believe the more that we spend time around these things, the more it begins to become second nature to us and kind of an innate knowledge within us that influences every area of our life. I have a confession to make. We have been binge-watching a specific show at our house recently that just came out on Disney+. Plus. I was a big fan of a show in the 90s called Home Improvement, and so we've been watching a lot about a lot of that show together. It's kind of become our family show that I watch with the boys, and what's funny is the more you watch something, you can tell how, I can tell how my boys are getting into it. They laugh at some of the funny things that Tim the Toolman Taylor does. We talk about some of the family conversations that goes on in the show, but one of the funniest things that's happened is with both of my sons every time the theme song comes on. Who loves a good theme song of like your favorite show? Come on, man, when you hear that little piano of The Office, it gets you excited, you get ready. If you're a big old Cheers fan where everybody knows your name, come on, we love a good theme song. Well, Home Improvement's got a great theme song, and what happens is as soon as that big electric guitar hits in with the very beginning, my nine-month-old son, Teddy, gets like a big smile on his face with all his gapped teeth, and he starts like doing the baby dance like this up and down on the couch. It calms him down, which is awesome. It's like rivaling Miss Rachel right now with calming him down. It's really awesome. And then my five-year-old son, Shepard, if you know anything about the show Home Improvement, it's kind of a manly show, and there's a specific noise that the main character, Tim the Toolman Taylor, makes, and it happens throughout the theme song. So every time 
time throughout the theme song when this Tim the Toolman grunt happens, Shepard goes, he does it every time, and he's so funny, and he gets so excited about it, and he does it throughout the show, and every time it happens, he laughs, and he's like, Daddy, I'm like, yeah, you know, we do it together, and the more we've been around it, it's been fun to connect to it. The more we've been around it, it's been fun to laugh together, and I believe the thing that God wants to remind us about the good life is the more you get around him, the more you watch it, the more you pay attention to it, the more it begins to take hold of your life. And it begins to become a way that you respond as you live. It begins to become a way that is not just information, but actually has influence over your life. My hope for you today is that you wouldn't just be informed, but that you'd be influenced by the things that God wants to show you. That you wouldn't just have a whole download of information and know some things about the Bible, but really have an experience with God where you can know that he is real and involved in your life. To learn from the mistakes that you've made. My wife and I, we have learned that we, uh, we have learned now what it takes to have a successful beach trip with our family now. So we had a, a beach trip in the beginning of the summer where we went down to Sarasota Beach with some friends from church and, and man, we made every mistake possible, right? Like we parked really far away. And so when you're walking out to the beach, you're really excited. But about five steps in, your five-year-old starts to say, I'm tired. I don't want to walk. Carry me. And again, five-year-olds aren't the most empathetic individuals. And so when they're looking at me, when he's looking at me as his dad, carrying a tent and chairs and towels and toys and doesn't realize I don't have any other arms to carry him, but continues to beg, Dad, carry me. I'm like, Shepard, I can't. I'm carrying all this stuff right? And I begin to see families who had done this before. Families who realized that this was more than just to grab the stuff and walk out of the car. They had these wagons that was carrying the kids and carrying all the stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. So just this last week, we went up to St. Augustine for a family weekend, and man, I was ready this time. I, I, we paid a little more and got an Airbnb like right across the street from the beach, nice and close, short walking distance. We made sure we had a wagon, put all the stuff in there. I walked out first, got everything set up without the stress and tug of kids bugging you, and got everything looking nicely. And then I shot Adrian a text, and I was like, all right, bring them on we're ready, right? Because I had learned from the intensity and craziness of the moment before. And I think with our life, when it comes to following God, we've got to learn from the mistakes and difficult things we've walked through and begin to prep ourselves for the future. Because guess what? Storms and difficulties always happen in life. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, life is not easy. Life's not easy. But it can be good. But it can be good. And that all comes down to choosing the good life. And everything that we're talking about today comes from one verse. I like to barrel it down to make it simple for you. Barrel it down to make it so something that you can grab a hold of and pick up when you need it. And so again, we pick up the closing of Deuteronomy. Again, we've been in it for five weeks, and we've talked about all the things that Moses had been reminding God's people of, of how God had shown up and what he had done and how he had been tremendously faithful for them through every single step of the way. And so we're like two chapters left here, and Moses in chapter 33 enters into one final blessing. This is right before he's about to die, right before he's about to send the Israelites into the promised land that God had given them under new leadership of his mentor Joshua. 
And here's what Moses says, four lines. Indeed, God loves his people. All his holy ones are in his hands. They follow in his steps and accept his teaching. Man, if I can barrel down how you can begin to make preparations and make changes in your life, I would just go back to these four lines. It's to realize that the good life is based on these four things, that God loves his people, that his holy ones are in his hands, that we don't just wander aimlessly in life, but we follow in his steps and accept his teaching. What I want to give you today is four things, four things about the good life that you can begin to build your foundation on. Every good thing has a foundation. Every good life has a foundation. And followers of Jesus know that that foundation cannot be built on us or built on others because those things will break. Moses is trying to remind the Israelites that, hey, don't build your foundation on anything else except for these truths about your God. Jesus goes on to say even in his parable about the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. It's because if you've ever built anything on, a sand, on sand, it goes away pretty quickly. Well, again, my son Shepard learned that on the beach when he would build up his sandcastle, and then it would fall down, and I would tell him, well, son, that's just what happens when you build your life out of faulty materials that will not hold. What I want to gift you today is a foundation that will never break is a foundation that can hold any amount of weight, that can go through any storm, that can be there for you, that can be the bedrock foundation that come hell or high water, you are still standing because it's not through your own strength you're standing. It's because of the strength of the good life through the gifts that God has given you. Yeah, we can give it up for that because it's good and it's powerful. And I got a quick message for you today because we're closing out the summer and we're ready to get into the new season of August and back to school, but I can think of no better way to close out these talks than giving you four simple things. And the first one is this. I'd encourage you to write them down in your phone or if you got a Deuteronomy journal, to write them down there. The first one is this, is the good life knows God. Indeed, he loves his people. Again, in Deuteronomy 33, that's what it says. It says, indeed, God loves his people. Moses is saying this as a reminder to the people that he has led for 40 years. Don't forget one big thing. The order of importance and the way things are listed in the Bible is very key. If you get things out of order, things can get messed up quickly. I, will, I do have to make a confession that when I'm building a piece of furniture, whether it be from Ikea or Amazon, I don't always follow the directions. I, again, maybe it's because I've been watching so much home improvement, but sometimes when I'm putting these things together, I'm like, oh, I know how to do this. I've put together enough end tables or coffee tables. I know the order. But what happens is if you skip a step or do something before you're supposed to do it, you have to take all, you take, have to take it all apart and restart over again. So Moses is saying, hey, you got to get this right in this order or you're going to have to totally begin to, to break things down before you can build it up again. So let's take a deep breath today and realize that God has given us a specific order of things. Deuteronomy 33, indeed, God loves his people. Can I encourage you today? I pray that you would never get tired of hearing it, that God loves you. Do you think about that? That the creator of the universe knows you. What? 
that's crazy to think about. But he does. He knows you and he's connected with you. The reason Moses keeps reminding God's people of this is because it took a long time for them to fully understand it. Because at this time, all the philosophies and theories of creation and of multiple gods was that there's many gods and they're doing their own thing up in their godly life and they don't really have much to do with you. But Moses is constantly speaking against that and reminding the Israelites, the people of God, that God knows who you are. He created you. He formed you. And he loves you more than you could possibly know. You see, the idea that God loves his people did not originate with Jesus when he begins to teach about it. It originated in the very beginning that God loves his people. He cares for them. He is with them. He is for them. He has good plans for their life and he will always be there and he is committed to you through thick and thin. I am thankful not for just a powerful God who is big and almighty, but for a loving God who knows my name, who knows my mistakes, who knows me but still has changed chosen to love me and welcome me with open arms. When, you're, when you feel like giving up, you got to get in the mirror and say, hey, you know what, Ryan, indeed, God still loves you. I can begin to make up, so, I'm really, you know what, i got to be honest with you, I'm really good at making excuses. I don't know, I don't know, it's a gift, I guess. But I'm really good at it. And I'm really good at making excuses as why God shouldn't love me. I've got that list, that inventory of all the mistakes, of all the fears, all the failures. And what I love what Moses is saying, he's saying, hey, he spent 33 chapters kind of telling the Israelites, hey, you've definitely messed up. But every single chapter, he goes back to this idea that you have a God who loves you with an unfailing love that loves you bigger than all of your excuses that you can list. The list of God's love is way more powerful, way more intricate, way more influential, and way more important. So I can come up with a whole list, or I can say and look in the mirror, you know what, I'm not gonna trust what I say because my foundation of my life is not built on what I say. It's what God has chosen to do, and God has chosen to create me, but he's chosen to love me as well. So I look in the mirror and I say, yep, You've messed up, Ryan, but indeed today, God loves you. And the good life knows God. doesn't just know about him. You can know a lot about a person. My fear today is, is whether it's a musical artist or a movie actor or an influencer on social media, we can begin to take their advice or their creativity or their talents and we can begin to let it either consciously or subconsciously affect and influence our life. But let me tell you, you don't know them. You may know about them. You may know things they've told you. You may know things they've written or performed, but you don't know them. But God has invited you to know him in his innermost being. I've been married to Adrienne for almost eight years. Now, I can know a lot of things about her. I can know her favorite color. I can know her favorite flowers. I can know her favorite band. I can know all these things, but that does not mean I know her. It does not mean I have an intimate connection with her where we are knit together and close and near. And my fear is that we can go through all our life and say, oh, I know God loves me. But really, you just know about it and you don't know it. You know how you know it? When it's the only thing you have. When it's the only thing that you can turn to. And I pray if you've been there, you're still here and it's only because of God's love. If you haven't been there yet, 
I hate to burst your bubble, but at some point, the love of God will be all that you have. But why don't you build some roots and foundation today into knowing it, into experiencing it, into believing? That's what Moses is saying. He says, you believe that all these gods are far away and at a distance, and they're saying, earn my love, do this, do that, and maybe I'll give you a time of day. But Moses is saying, God is not like that. He is your heavenly Father who has invited you to know him intimately in a personal way as your heavenly Father. And this idea, this fact, builds throughout Scripture. When Moses is giving so many excuses why not to be used by God, he even says, God, who should I tell them sent me? Well, we've talked about this before, is that God gives him a name. He says, Yahweh, that I'm the God who was and is and is to come. But then he says this in Exodus 34, 6. He says, I'm compassionate and I'm slow to anger and filled with what? Unfailing love. The prophet Jeremiah reminds God's people hundreds of years later, remember what God says, with an unfailing love, I've what? I've drawn you to myself. Not drawn you to comfort, not drawn you to a preference, not drawn you to information, but I have drawn you to a relationship with me. Can I remind you, the key to life is having a relationship with a God that you can know. Jesus says, John three sixteen. you wanna know how God loved the world? He shows you. By sending his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never die or perish but have everlasting life. This is how God showed it to you. And in Galatians 2.20, that's supposed to say, Christ lives in me, not Chris lives in me, because I love people named Chris, but they got no power in your life. Christ does, though. He lives in you, and he loves you. And what does Paul say in Galatians? He gave himself for me. Man, I have one desire in my life. And that's to know more about God and to know more of God, to open this word and realize that I am getting to know a person. There's history in here. There's principle and promises in here. But the most powerful thing about this book is that when I open it up, I get to learn about the God who is slow to anger and filled with an unfailing love. I get to know the God who constantly draws me closer, who constantly is seeking for me to trust him with more, to the God that has demonstrated and shown me how much he loves me and loves the world, and to remember that he gave himself for me, that it promises me that it's he who loved me first. A good life understands that it's not about how much I love God. It's about how much he loves me. Because if I get focused on how much I love God, I'm going to, re to revert back to things that I can control, to things that are under my care, to things that are under my influence. But when I begin to open myself up to the fact that it's first how much God loves me, it begins to encourage me and lift me up and strengthen me. And Moses is saying, hey, you're about to go through some difficult stuff, all right? Do not forget that God loves you and that you can know him. And see, we live on the other side of Jesus, which means that you don't have to go through some religious practice or tradition to know God at any point during the message today or at the end of service or during your Sunday. You can take a deep breath and close your eyes and say, Jesus, I want to know you and I give you my life. And in that moment, he steps in. In that moment, you're filled with hope. In that moment, he draws you to himself where you can be filled with the unfailing love. The good life knows God because indeed God loves his people. Number two, the good life is held by God. It says that all his holy ones 
are in his hands. My mom used to sing me an old song, driving to church and driving to school. He's got the whole world in his hands. And I remember that song. I remember singing, he's got the itty-bitty babies in his hands, right? He's got the mommies and the daddies in his hands. Oh, Lord, we need you as mommy and daddies. I need you in my hands right now because it's tough, right? We need to know that. We need to know that God, again, is not far off saying, hey, figure it out. He's like, hey, I'm right here. I got you. Because what does is, what is the, the Bible promise? That when you're in God's hands, nothing can snatch you from his grip. I remember reading a Shakespeare play back when I was in high school, Henry V. And if you're familiar with this play, uh, what happens in it, it kind of goes through the story of Henry V and how he invades France. And through sickness and disease, his army is kind of totally obliterated. And it comes to this moment where there are over 30,000 French soldiers coming down on his 5,000 Englishmen. And they're trying to retreat back to their country. And it's on the morning of the final battle. And one of Henry V's aides or servants, whatever, comes to him and says, Man, I hope these guys don't attack today. What a funny thing to say, right? Yeah, like, I hope they don't attack any day. Hopefully they hold off. But what's powerful there is Henry V looks at him and says, Son, we are, not in our hand, we are not in their hands, we are in God's hands. And if you know the story, you find out that those 5,000 Englishmen defeated those 30,000 French troops. And I was thinking about this phrase because I remember it, that we are not in their hands, we are in God's hands. I wonder how many times in my life I've been so distracted because I have placed my life in someone else's hands. I wonder how many times I've walked through life so down and so defeated because I've thought my life was in the hands of that situation. Or I thought my life was in the hands of someone who was not as powerful as God. Or I thought my life was in my hands. Can I encourage you today that your life is not in the hands of your boss or your job, that your life is not in the hands of your situation or your storm, that your life is not in the hands of sickness or that bad report or that difficult thing that you're walking through, that your life is found in the hands of God today who holds you through thick and thin, who holds you no matter what, who no one can break his grip. You're in his hands. You're in his grip. He will not let you go. Now, the thing is, we have to surrender, though. Because once you step into the hands of God, you get two things. And they're really good things. Really good. I like really good stuff. The first thing you get is you get protection. See, God's followers and God's people, God's sons and daughters, what Moses is reminding them is, hey, what you're about to walk into, it's going to be very difficult. There's going to be some battles in front of you you are going to have to remember that you are protected in the hands of God. But the second thing is, and I think it's just as important, because I feel like so many times we can, yeah, God loves me and I know him and he's so great, woohoo. And I know he holds me and I'm protected by that. We can forget that I'm not just supposed to be in the hands of God protected and live a mundane, easy, pie-in-the-sky life. 
but I am supposed to walk in that protection as someone who can do some stuff, as someone who can move the hands of God because I'm in the hands of God. Moses is saying, hey guys, you know what? God's gonna protect you, but you're gonna have to go fight some evil in the next few years. God's gonna protect you, but you're gonna have to defend God's people. You're gonna have to go to battle. You're gonna have to go to war because to step into the promised things I have for you, it's gonna take some faith. It's gonna take stepping out of your comfort zone, but never forget that you're always protected in my hands, but that doesn't give you the excuse to just rest there and stay there. You got to move because God's moving. You got to go with his hand because his hand is moving. You got to trust the power of God because it's protection and power. Can I, come on, we can give some praise for that because it's good. Woo! I'm excited about it. Even losing my voice a little bit. It's okay though. So I, I think you need to realize that not only you're protected by God, but you walk with the power of God. And I would encourage you, if you walk through life with this, like, well, I'm just following God today, doing whatever it takes. And like, I just don't believe that's the way the, we as Christians should live our life. We talked a couple weeks ago about the, the expectation of that God is our possession, and that means we can choose joy in our life. You know what? The, so at this time, Moses had established the tribe of Levi, which was the priesthood. They were the people that represented God to the people and represented the people to God, a very important position. And they were anointed to do so. Do you know what they were anointed with? Scripture says they were anointed with oil, but not just any old oil. They called this oil the oil of gladness. What an interesting thing to call it. But it was to be called that so that they would walk through life as an example of what are we supposed to do as followers of God who stand in the gap with protection and power to not walk through life with our hands in our pocket, kicking the rock of our faith journey down the street, but to say, you know what? I'm glad today. He has made me free. I can make a joyful noise today because he has made me glad. I walk with a smile on my face. I walk with a pep in my step, not because I'm faking it, but because what? What else response do I have to a God who has given me everything, to a God who loves me, protects me, and gives me power to live this life? I'm glad today, and I'm anointed with the oil of gladness, so I'm going to smile. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to elevate the room upwards, not downwards, and I believe if you want to make a difference in your family, your friends, your neighborhoods, your jobs, just be someone who looks glad about the fact that they're alive today. Can I get a good amen if you believe that? I mean, we're going, to be, we're going to celebrate this evening, our first time we've ever done this. We've got a handful of people participating tonight. And man, if anything that I've said have in, has invited you to do this, please take that step today. Tonight at 5 p.m. at Cypress Point Park, about 10 minutes away from here, is our beach baptisms. We've had some people sign up, and it's going to be an awesome night. But if you're like, man, I need that fresh start. I need that new beginning. I need just that fresh fire. And you've never been baptized this is your chance. We want to celebrate with you because we're glad that God has done something in your life. We got shirts for you. We got towels out there for you on the beach. But I can think of no better way to start a new season as we head back to school and a new season of life than to start it with Jesus saying, the old has gone, the new has come. So come celebrate with us tonight. It's a church community night. We want to celebrate those who are getting baptized, but text water to 97,000. If you feel like you should do it, just do it and let God do the rest. And I love the different translations of Deuteronomy 33 as we close. Here's another one. It says this, surely it is you who love the people. 
All the holy ones are in your hand. Here's where this translation in the NIV shifts a little bit. It says, at your feet, they all bow down, and from you, they receive instruction. The line I want to unpack right here for the next minute is, at your feet, they all bow down. What does this mean? It means that the good life worships God above all else. At your feet, they what? They bow down. We have to realize that when we have a relationship with Jesus, there absolutely has to be a response. And what is that response? Worship. I would encourage you, you all worship something. Some of us have just figured out that we need to worship Jesus and God first and foremost because he's the only thing that affects everything else. It's the only thing that will influence and lift up and empower you to live the life that you have is to worship God above all else. That's why we start the morning with worship because it prepares our heart to receive from God. That's why in the Bible over and over again, you see them send out the worshipers first because our approach to life should be, if God, if you're not going with me, I don't wanna go. God, if you're not leading me, I don't want to go. But I know that if I worship you and I stretch out my hands and sing to you and open my life to you, you will be there. See, I think sometimes we can get it in our, in our mind that when life gets difficult or we have questions and we have doubts and we don't really know what to do, our first response is to stop worshiping and try to start figuring it out. Our first response is to stop worshiping and start worrying. Can I encourage you, whatever you're worrying about right now, think about it, whatever it is, relational, spiritual, emotional, financial, your job, whatever you're worrying about right now in this moment shows where you trust God the least right now and shows you an opportunity where you can choose to worship instead of worry. And my fear, maybe you're like me, is I stop worshiping and I start working. I can do this. I can get this done. I can get... Can I encourage you? The good life takes a deep breath. And yeah, there's issues that we got to work on. There's issues that we got to move on, move in, that we've got to do things. But there's so much power in saying, you know what, God, I'm not doing anything until I do this. I'm not doing anything until I lift up your name. Your name is higher. Your ways are stronger. I'm thinking, I was thinking about it this way. Uh, I'm a big movie fan, you know, and uh, one of my favorite genres of movies, the Mission Impossible movies. I went and saw the new one just a few weeks ago. It was awesome. Got to see it in Dolby, nice and loud. Subwoofers in the seat, makes you feel like you're there. You know what's funny about when I go to those movies? Is that they're big blockbusters. You got a big movie star like Tom Cruise on the screen. You know what never happens? At, at no point in the movie does the movie pause and Tom Cruise stop and say, hey, Ryan, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for buying a ticket. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. Hope you have a great day. That never happens. I've never been to a sporting event or a concert where the people in, at the, in the focus of everyone has said, hey, you, thanks so much. You made this possible. I'm so glad you're here. The thing is, we worship those things. There's only one crowd participation event in our life. There's only one place where it's big and exciting and the center of it all looks at us and says, I'm so glad you're here. I'm listening to your worship. I'm hearing it. 
I'm responding to it. I see where you're at. I see what brought you to that seat on this Sunday morning at Local City. And I just want you to know that I'm with you, that I love you, that I'm holding you in your hand. I'm holding you in my hand. And if you would just continue to worship, I'll make a way where it seems like there's no way. If you would continue to worship, I'll work on your behalf and I'll bring provision. I'll bring a miracle. I'll bring strength. God wants you to know that he responds to your worship. He sees you. He stoops down from heaven and says, I'm so glad you're doing this because this is the only thing that helps you. The good life is the life that worships God above all else. May I be above everything else more than a husband, father, pastor. May I be a worshiper because it's the only thing that truly helps me and moves the hand of God. And as we close, the final thing is the good life. Trust God in all things. The last line says, and accepts his teaching. Can I encourage you and challenge you today, as simple as it may sound, to just trust God. He is the only one that will never betray your trust or break your trust. It doesn't mean he'll do everything like you thought he would. That's where trust comes in. If you're basing your walk with Jesus and your good life with God on whether or not you agree with what he tells you to do, that is not trust. May I encourage you to treat our Lord and Savior Jesus like when you go to the doctor and he says, take two of these in the morning and you do it. No, you don't say, I think I know better. You haven't been to medical school. You don't know what you should do. We go and trust And can I encourage you to sit at the feet of the great physician, your heavenly Father God, to sit at the feet of your best friend Jesus and say when he says, take two of these and call me in the morning, you're gonna do it and just trust him at his word because he deserves it and he's earned it and it is the thing that will build the good life in your life. Accept his teaching because we're still talking about it. We're still talking about Deuteronomy 33.3 thousands of years later. God loves his people. He holds his people in his hands. We sit at his feet and bow down and worship him, and we accept and trust his teaching. Do you know why Moses was telling the people this? Because they were about to step into some crazy stuff. They were, their, their first battle they were gonna face was the walls of Jericho, if you know the story. The first battle they faced, big city of Jericho, massive walls, never been defeated. And when God shows up to Joshua and gives him the game plan, the game plan is not to step into Jericho with weapons, but to step in with the trust of their heavenly father, God. And he instructs them to simply walk around the city of Jericho and keep walking and keep walking, keep walking. I don't know about you, but I would have been like, hey man, this this isn't working. This walking is not taking down these walls. But every walk around was a deeper level of trust and surrender to God. Every time they circled that city, day after day, it was a letting go of their control, letting go of what they thought was best and saying, God, if you say it, I'm gonna do it because these walls are pretty impenetrable through our power. But if you say we can do it, we're gonna trust you. We're gonna keep walking. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep taking one step after the other. And by the time they had fully emptied themselves of all their own pride and all their own control, God says on that final walk around, blow the trumpets of God and lift 
up a shout of worship and those walls came tumbling down in an instant and they were able to defeat your enemy. Can I encourage your local city? Don't give up walking around because at the moment that you need it, as you've trusted God day after day, year after year, lap around, lap around the city that you're trying to take at just the right moment, God will say, now, and you'll lift up that shout of freedom and that shout of worship and the walls will come down and God will show up and bring you the victory that only he can bring. Would you stand to your feet today as we close and bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.